1: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing
2: it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. You bet!
1: This is Sports Open Line on KMOX.
3: One hour down, we are into hour number two of the program. My name is Matt Pauly. Thanks so much for being tuned in. If you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me as well, at Matt Pauly on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. I hear. So would love to get some uh, some text messages and some tweets on this if you want to respond to this question. I'm curious if you are like me where you, like a week ago, you thought pulls would get to 700. And then as last week moves along, especially as you get to like Friday, and he's still at what would have been 695 with 23 to go going into Saturday. At that point, you kind of felt like, okay, this probably isn't going to happen. And then he hits two in a row. Uh, in, you know in two straight games to get to 697 with 21 to go. there's a big difference. There's a big difference between 695 with 23 and 697 with 21. That's a, it's a huge difference in terms of your pacing to be able to get it done because we're really we've always been looking at it as can we expect a home run per week out of them? And I've, I've always thought that was fair. I've always thought that was fair. But when it got to a point where there was about three and a half weeks left in the season and he needed five, that's when the numbers started getting a little eh, And then he hits the two, and now it's essentially he needs three in three weeks. And it seems much more doable. And now I'm back on the—I've been a flip-flopper this whole time, just flip-flopping back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I've been flip-flopping. Right now I'm on the, yes, he is going to get to 700 train, where— 72 hours ago, honestly, I didn't think he was going to get there. But uh, 130 hours ago, I I thought he did. So if you're like me or if you're not like me, I'd be curious to hear what you have to say about it. Text in 314-436-7900. Tweet in at Matt Pawley on air. The question for you is, has your belief in whether or not he's going to get to 700 changed over the course of the last two days after he hit the two home runs against Pittsburgh, or has it just been the same? You've always thought he was going to get it, or you never thought he was going to get it, and you're still right there. Three one four four three six seventy nine hundred. Get those texts in at Matt Pauly on air. Get those tweets in uh, every week. Albert joins us here on KMOX. He has a conversation with our own Tom Ackerman. We call it Five Minutes with Number Five. If you ever happen to miss it, you can always go to uh, KMOX.com. You can go to the Odyssey app. You can go to the KMOX uh, podcast and find uh, there's a podcast that you really should be subscribed to and listening all the time. It is the uh, Cardinals Conversations. And there's fantastic stuff on there, uh, including the conversations with uh, Albert Pools. You can get those uh, right there. But everything we do, um, I I do two hits a week on the show with uh with, uh, with, with Kevin, Amy, and Chris. And uh, those always get posted there as well. So anything we do Cardinals-related here at X, you can find there uh, in the Cardinals Conversations podcast, which is really, really cool. Or you can just listen right now because uh, this is Tom Ackerman's most recent conversation with Albert Pujols.
4: Well, it's five of our favorite minutes of the entire week. Five minutes with number five, Albert Pujols, here in the Cardinals Clubhouse. I wanted to talk to you about a couple of things. Number one, where did you get your love for the game
5: how did you learn the game and who taught you the game well my father taught me the game and I think uh, just growing up in the Dominican Republic being born and raised in there you know that's the number one sport baseball and I guess you know when you come from a big family that loves again uh, baseball i love love a sport overall you know it's kind of like one of those things I mean the women's were playing either volleyball or softball and the men's were playing baseball softball. So it was like, you know, watching my dad. My grandpa was a huge, huge, huge baseball fan and he enjoyed and loved again. Obviously he died at a young age. I wish, you know, he would've be alive, you know, by the time I made it to the big leagues because I think he would have enjoyed and had so much success and travel all over with me, uh, because of how much he loved the game. So I think Everything inspires us because my grandpa and, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, my dad obviously, you know, had a big influence in my life, you know, when it came to to a game. You obviously were surrounded by the game, but what captured you about it? What did you love about it? I think the challenge, you know, I mean, there's this game is not easy. There's a lot of things that had to go right. There's a lot of things that you had to work technique and just learn the game and I guess... You had to have you had to have the passion and the love, you know, to to really get into it, and that's something that I had since I was a young boy, and you know, was able to you know get better at it and work hard and uh, get the opportunity, you know, to become a professional athlete. And then as you get you know you start at a young age, like I was five or six, and then as you get older, you're like, oh man, you know, this is what I want to do. And then you see friends of yours you know getting signed and and have the same vision that you have of being a professional athlete was really easy you know to say wow man this is awesome and and just give it a chance and you know i'm blessed to have that opportunity god has given me were there differences between playing in the dominican
4: republic and when you came to the united states in 1996 and eventually found yourself (laughs) on the other side of the state
5: no, I think the only difference is the equipment. You know, it was easy over there. You borrow equipment here, pretty much you own you own yeah. one. Uh, you have the ability to own your own equipment, you know. And I think it was hard, you know, on the weekends to be able to borrow, you know, my friend's shoes if he didn't have any gang or you know, give him five or six bucks, you know, just to, to borrow his glove, you know, because I didn't own one. So yeah. those were the, the challenge, you know. Right. But the passion and the love, I think uh, it's the same way as here, you know, when when you're young.
4: And when I talk to people, particularly those who have spent time or grew up in the Dominican Republic, they're like, "You actually know Albert Pools. Like you've talked to him. Do you understand how big he is in the Dominican Republic? Do you do you understand and feel
5: your role in that way that so many look up to you there?" I do understand, and I think with that comes a lot of responsibility. You know, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that look up to to you, and you want to make sure you do the things the right way. That doesn't make me perfect, but Mm. just, uh, you know, use this platform to get the chance to bless others just as much as you've been blessing, and as as much as I've been blessing my life. And uh, I think for me, uh, I never focus on those things. I focus more on what can I do with this responsibility that God has given me, you know, with with my family, with the foundation, with the people in the community, and just uh, never put it on you know, never think that it's about me, but using this opportunity, this platform to help others because there are so many other people just like me or worse than me that never get a chance to get look at it and they have a lot of potential. Well, you can see it in the eyes of the people that work with you at the Poulos
4: Family Foundation from Todd Perry all the way to the people that you reach out and touch for the first time. And that has to feel gratifying. So congratulations on that. I, i Always appreciate these five minutes to be able to chat a little bit, but I know the Pujols
5: Family Foundation is very proud that we got together to do it. (laughs) (laughs) No, for sure. I mean, and that's that's the main goal. I mean, you know, to have a great career and to have success. Obviously, it does help. uh, You know, get more attention and get your name more out there. But at the end of the day, it's uh, to be able to use this platform to to help and to. To rescue others, and that's what i done in my life. At the end of the day, as I look up for 25,000 feet above, you know, uh, I have learned that it's not about me, but the life around me and the life that I can touch and change. And I think that's the testimony, you know, by whatever people have to say, you know, about me, about the foundation, about my family, you know. And so I think uh, as a young age, that I, that's something that I always have learned, you know. Uh, that it's not about me and when I find that in my life, my identity in Christ and and knowing that whatever I do on this earth is not even for me it's for his glory, then I think I have a different perspective of how I look things in life and I think uh, you know, that's how everybody should be It's been a lot of fun to follow I can tell you that Mm -hmm. from the very beginning my friend, we'll talk to you next week I appreciate it. Thank you brother, bless you
3: there's Albert Pulos talking with our own Tom Ackerman for their weekly conversation, five minutes with number five. I mentioned this chart earlier uh, last hour. We were kind of up against the end of the hour, so I just want to mention this one more time. The, um, the weighted runs created plus that's a that's a fancy stat. If you're into uh, advanced statistics and you go to fan graphs and things like that, you know what that is. It doesn't really matter what it is. It's the it's what's inside of it that matters. in 2011. Albert Pouls was around 140 on that. His numbers then from 2012, his first year away from St. Louis, all the way through uh, 2020 and 2021, dipped horribly. In fact, spent a couple uh, years under 100. And now it has come back up almost all the way back up to 140. So this year he is matching what he did in his final season as a Cardinal almost. The interesting thing about this, and this is true about a number of different stats when we look at him, this would be his worst season ever as a cardinal, but it is still better than any season he had between the angels and then the time he spent with the Dodgers. It's you just you continue to wonder like what would have it looked like if he would have never left? Would his career numbers still have dipped the way they dipped, or would have he continued at a At a you know maybe maybe not the pace he's on right now, but some version of that. I think the truth is somewhere in between. But we can we can do this every day. Just find the incredible numbers that describe what Pulhos is doing this year, and it's just crazy. We'll get uh, Joe Roderick's thoughts on that. He is part of the team over at uh, Klabe's Online. He'll join us coming up in just a moment. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX.
0: Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. April 9th,
2: 2001. Swing and a home run to left. The first Major League home run for Albert Pujols. Now. Pujols swings and lifts a high fly ball. It's a gunner for Pujols. The pursuit for 700 continues. Home run 6, 9, 7. KMOX is Cardinals Radio.
3: So the line does continue here on a Monday night. No Cardinals tonight. It's an off day back at tomorrow as they open up another homestand. It begins with a two-game series against the Milwaukee Brewers. They can actually lower the magic number by five. You generally think you play two games. You can lower the magic number by four. They can lower it by five because if they win both games, they clinch the season series. No more game 163. This year and moving forward because of the expanded playoff, they'll just go to tiebreakers, and the first tiebreaker is head-to-head. If the Cardinals take both games from the Brewers, they win the head-to-head Magic number down to five. There you go. Let's bring on a guy right now who uh, talks about the Cardinals on an everyday basis uh, with Klabe's online, working with our guys Mike Claiborne and Bob Ramsey uh, he and others, uh, for that matter. He is uh, Joe Roderick. Follow him on Twitter at Joe, R-O-D-E-R-I-C-K. Hey, Joe, thanks for taking some time. How are you? Absolutely, Matt. What's going on? Not much. Let's uh, I want to get your thoughts on uh, just what Pulse is doing. I don't know about you, but... Friday when he was at 695 with 23 to go, needing five home runs and about you know, a little more than three weeks, I thought, okay, probably not. And then he gets the two home runs on Saturday and Sunday, and all of a sudden it's 697. It's three home runs in three weeks that he needs, and it feels completely different, and I'm back on the, okay, he's going to do it train. Where do you stand?
2: I think you and I talked about this at the game uh, last Friday when – The way I've looked at the schedule, those final six games against the Pirates have always been the ones that have jumped out at me. And I've jokingly said uh, for a few months now, like if he got to within five during those final six games, the three at home and then the three on the road, like it was a done deal. He was going to just go off on those six days and hit five home runs. And now that he's within three and you look at those, you look at those six games, and you look at the games against the Reds, and the fact that he's also going out to LA next week, and maybe there's a little bit of magic left out there. I mean, I, I think it's a done deal. I think it's just seven zero. What? I mean, I think that's what we look at now as far as what he's going to end at. You know, can he get to seven zero four, seven zero five? Because it's just, I, nobody expected him to be this good. I know you had Benjamin Hockman on earlier in his article. Or, I mean, it hit it right on the nose that I think you just expected him to face a few lefties, maybe hit a couple home runs, make the crowd happy. But this is this is absolutely unreal, the productivity you're getting out of him. One of the best free agent sign-ins in all of baseball.
3: Yeah, it is, and I think what happened over the weekend is a really good example. Not only does he hit the two home runs, so on Saturday things were going bad. He hits the home run, but then he has that hit later on uh, that was a really big hit for him, helping them win. And then uh, the, the, what he did yesterday when they're down 2 like these aren't Just like home runs in one-sided games, he's coming up with really meaningful hits and helping this team win games.
2: I I said this to Bob Ramsey earlier today. What are the people in Los Angeles, the Angels fans, thinking right now? Because they saw Albert for nine and a half years, and this isn't the Albert that played those nine and a half years there in Los Angeles. So now those Angels fans are watching Shohei and Mike Trout just get wasted in that organization. And for nine plus years they had Albert Pujols and they still couldn't make it work. And now he is in a pennant race. He is going to the playoffs again this year and he's just revitalized. I mean, he has turned the clocks back 11 years and we're, we're seeing clutch in his prime Albert Pujols on some of these nights, not every night. I mean, he's not playing every night. There's some nights he'll go over for, but when he's on, he is still that special player that we got to see for the first ten years of his career.
3: I, I, I don't know. I saw this written somewhere. Maybe it was in Hawkman's column. It was somewhere. I didn't realize Freddie Freeman has 19 home runs. Albert Pujols is one home run behind Freddie Freeman.
2: <laughs> it's. I mean you know the other night last yesterday he hit it off a righty yeah. he wasn't supposed to do that this no. year it was just supposed to be home runs against lefties that was that was what we were told when he came in here that he was only going to face lefties and then he goes on that hot streak right right after he's named to the all-star team and something in him just sparked and i don't know maybe it was a case of yeah this is my final run these are the final months of my career i'm going to go out and i'm going to make the most of it
3: I feel like this season has had chapters to it, and the pre-All-Star break portion was probably the first chapter, and that was where they tread water, they beat bad teams, they don't beat good teams, and they just kind of stick around and then the all-star break hits, and there's been multiple chapters since then. The the winning streak, the trade deadline, like all these different things that have happened have been different kind of mile markers. And now I feel like we're at this point where the division is kind of wrapped up. So it's almost like fans are doing the okay, what's going to go wrong? Because that's what you do when you watch good teams. You you go to this negative place and it's what can go wrong. And I hear from fans all the time about the run scoring can be inconsistent. The bullpen can be inconsistent. Do any of those things worry you about this team?
2: Maybe the bullpen, because I, I would think by this point, you would maybe have that figured out. And right now, I don't know if there is a you know exact plan in place for seven eight nine in the postseason, I think we see it now. Helsley will close one night, Gallegos the next, and they're they're kind of going back and forth with that. And I don't know if Helsley can go every single night of the postseason. So how confident are you with Gallegos coming in and closing? Then what does that do with the eighth inning guy? If you have two closers, I would I would really like to see that kind of tightened up. At this point, and it's it's not there yet. But the starting pitching, I'm I'm thrilled with it I, right now. You need four starters. I think it's kind of take your pick. It's you you know who's there. And so far, two starts into Jack Flaherty's return, we're getting a lot more than I think we expected. I, I think anything out of Jack Flaherty this season is a is a positive, with how up and down his his health has been. So you're, you know, if you if you want to look ahead and look at those those three games, I guess against the Padres right now, in and, and that wild card round, who's your third starter? Who do you want to go with? And it's not a bullpen by committee start. You have options of okay, Quintana, Montgomery, Flaherty, maybe. Who do you want to go out there with? And that's a positive for me too. And as far as the lineup goes, I think one through you have twelve guys on, on that bench right now that you're really confident in that you can put out there and they're going to perform and it's it's mix and match righty lefty whoever you're facing there are 12 guys out there on that bench that I, I have full confidence in to go out there and and get clutch hits in October.
3: Who's your guy out right now if you're going to a four-man rotation, because especially this year in the postseason where there's going to be less off days as a result of the three extra days with the wild card round and the postseason getting started a little bit later after the lockout and the added games at the end of the season. They got rid of a couple off days. So you, you, you have to go four as you go deep into the postseason. Who's the odd man out right now if the Cardinals go to a four-man rotation?
2: I think it's an easy call to say Flaherty. Yeah, I think with with him just coming back, and you really haven't pushed him too far. I think that's I, I think that's an easy call to make right now. Now, what I mean, are we going to see what three starts, maybe four starts out of him by the end of the season? That could change, and I don't know if there's anything out of Quintana or Montgomery that I would say I'd bump them. So. I think Flaherty, you you know, you can work him out of the bullpen, or you can bring him in if needed to get you three innings in the middle of the game. And then you have, I a mean, Palante in that role too. You have guys that can bridge the gap if you need to. If you need to, you know, sound the alarm in in the third or fourth inning.
3: I'm really curious again, kind of going back to the off day thing, and I've talked about this ad nauseum, and I don't hear anybody else talking about it. To be perfectly honest with you. I'm really curious if the postseason this year in baseball is going to look different because in p- previous years, yeah, starters to go get to you your five innings and then you were able to use your bullpen really liberally with your high leverage guys. And you took advantage of all these off days. Well, now these off days don't exist as much. I'm really curious if that's going to result in teams pushing starters further. And then when we take that specifically to the Cardinals and, Maybe you don't feel comfortable with Helsley pitching on back to back days, and certainly don't feel comfortable with him going three out of four days. Uh, are there going to be times where maybe you give it to him for two innings and you try to rest the rest of the bullpen because you know you're not going to have him for a couple days? Like, there's just in terms of innings, uh, you know, allotment and allocation going into the postseason, both between starters and relievers, I'm just very curious what that's going to look like.
2: Yeah, because you know, there there are fans out there, there are there are people out there who complain about the D H being in the National League or the shift being banned. I I I absolutely hated when you would get to postseason play and you would have teams completely change the way that they managed pitchers. And they would go two, three innings and they would go on to the next guy and they would just abuse those off days because they didn't have those off days in the in the regular season. And it would be just a completely different look from pitchers. So I, I love that they're going to do that. And if we get a scenario where a team has to fly cross country, both teams have to fly cross country to play a win or go home game. I mean, what's that going to look like just players being out there on the field the next day after one team just has this, you know, has so much emotion of just surviving while the other team, you know, just let down a golden opportunity at that, just the not being able to take a day off and collect yourself, I think makes this makes for a really, really fun post season.
3: Yeah. I like, I think it's really good. I think it's really good and I'm glad it's going to be that way. And I think it's going to more closely resemble what things do look like in the regular season. And to me, that absolutely uh, is a, a very good thing. So, What do you want to see from this team between now and the end of the season? It feels like the division is all but locked up. Uh, There's 21 games left. What's the value in these 21 games?
2: I think figuring out what the back end of the bullpen looks like. I think that is key. Who is, who's going to be your big lefty coming out of the bullpen? What, how often can Ryan Helsley throw in October? I think figuring out who those arms in the bullpen are going to be, because we've seen so much movement up and down from Memphis to St. Louis this year with, with those arms. I, I, right now, I I don't know if I could sit down and I can write out eight relievers that you would have in in the bullpen and come up with an eight that I am, I, I could just tell you is, is your solid eight that I'm confident with. I don't know if I could do that right now, so I'd like to be able to to figure that out and know what the roles are for those guys in in you know in the final few weeks of the season and then lead that into the postseason because like we just said I mean if you if you are playing in the NLDS and games three four and five are back to back to back can Ryan Helsley throw those three games back to back to back I don't he hasn't done it yet this year does that change I mean are they do they know that he can do it in October they're just not. Using that in the regular season, I think that's that's really something to watch.
3: Can you imagine that like If that gamble goes and it doesn't work, I'll be taking phone calls for the next two weeks on my post game show. Like after that <laughs> happens, like, could you can you just imagine that scenario playing out where they push Helsley further than he's ever been pushed before, and then it just doesn't work. Right,
2: and then I, do you do you have a quick trigger with Gallegos ready to go? Is that is he back there waiting? For that, where does Jordan Hicks fall into all of this? Because he has been all over the place this year. Is that a guy maybe you save for a backup of Helsley if you put Gallegos in the eighth inning role? It's Ali Marmol has has a lot of options for arms. Uh, He has to really kind of pick and choose where he's going to use those guys.
3: He's Joe Roderick, and give a plug for uh, what's going on at Klabe's Online because you guys put together uh, videos on an everyday basis. You're a big part of them. You work with uh, with our guys here, Mike Claiborne and uh, Bob Ramsey, and uh, you guys have uh, Cardinals content pretty much every single day.
2: Every single day daily cards live, Rammer and I will go live, and then it's available on the podcast uh, wherever you get your podcast there. Claves has a few shows of his own too, and then uh, Mike Claver and I will be live at about noon tomorrow for our weekly uh, lunch show where we just talk everything that 's going on so we'll have football we 'll have cardinal stuff we 'll have it all, and then as soon as the uh, the video ends, it is available for you to listen to uh, wherever you find your podcast. So much content. I think we're putting out seven or eight things a week um, right now on, the, on Claibs online for any, uh, any sport that you, uh, that you want to listen to.
3: It's absolutely fantastic. Joe, thanks for the time. We're going to get you on uh, fairly often. If you're all right with that, moving forward. Absolutely, Matt. Anytime. All right. Very good. There's Joe Roderick joining us here uh, on Sports Open Line, and we appreciate his time. on online. He's a big part of uh, what they are doing on an everyday basis. We're going to uh, switch gears. We're going to talk some football. The week one slate coming to an end right now with Monday Night Football. The Seahawks lead the Broncos 7-3. Do you think Russell Wilson got booed or not coming out on the field in Seattle? I've got the answer for you. Just think to yourself whether or not you think he did or not, and we'll tell you whether he did or not. Coming up next, it's Sports Open Line on KMOX.
1: Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. You bet This is Sports Open Line on KMOX.
3: Week one of the NFL season wrapping up tonight, Monday Night Football. Our guy Joe Buck on ESPN. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird that he's not a Fox guy anymore. He's an ESPN guy. I was looking at some stuff earlier. I'll tell you what, there was um, there was a lot of people complaining yesterday that Buck and Aikman weren't doing the number one game on Fox anymore, that it didn't, just didn't have that big game feel. And just reading stuff on social media, people are saying that, it, this is how it kind of has that big game feel, so right now Seahawks lead the Broncos seven three. There's about three minutes to go in the first quarter. I've been thinking about this, and I said this yesterday. Like yesterday was so liberating for me. It was so liberating because I have spent the last twelve plus years of my career like needing to be focused on a certain NFL team. When I worked in Wisconsin, we worked. For, I worked for the station that was the Packers' flagship station uh, up until this year, and I kind of dabbled in Packers coverage. I did some Facebook Live videos. I did things like that. But I, was, I, I had to be locked into what the Packers were doing. And then before that, I was in Colorado, and I was hosting a daily show there. So I was very, very invested in what the Broncos were doing. Yesterday was the first NFL Sunday in a really long time. That I didn't have to be invested in a single team. It felt so good. It felt so good. I loved it. I was able to just kind of have games going on in the background. I was able to just kind of be monitoring stuff. I'm also not playing fantasy football this year, which is really weird. Um, I like completely disconnected from football or at least NFL football. And it's a very, it's a very odd thing, but it felt good. Felt good. So A lot of NFL teams do not take the preseason seriously. Some teams do. And it's hard to say what you should do when you look at things from a big picture perspective, but it's not hard to say what you should do when it comes to a week one perspective. First time head coaches are 4-0 this weekend. And if the Broncos win tonight, it would be 5-0. The starting quarterbacks who did not play in the preseason went 3-7 and yesterday. If uh, Russell Wilson uh, loses today, he would be the 11th. So those two stats kind of go against each other uh, when it comes to either first-time head coaches or uh, quarterbacks. But the bottom line here is teams that take the preseason seriously, teams that play the starters in the preseason— teams that allow their number 1 quarterbacks to get preseason time, obviously and clearly, like there is no argument on this, obviously and clearly, they have a lot more success and they win a lot more games in the first week of the season. The Baltimore Ravens take the preseason really seriously, probably more serious than they need to take it. Not a surprise that they came away with a win. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, it took overtime, but the Pittsburgh Steelers take preseason seriously. They found a way to win yesterday. It took, uh, it took overtime for them to do that. There's just—and again, that whole first-year head coach thing. If you're a first-year head coach, you're probably coming in because your team was bad. If your team was bad and you're a first-year head coach, you're probably going to play a lot of your starters uh, because the preseason is that much more valuable. So it's not a surprise— that these first-year head coaches have been so successful in week one because it's just logical that the first-year head coaches are going to take the preseason a lot more seriously, where there are teams that don't take the preseason very seriously, and they tend to lose in week number one. And there are, there are definitely a number of examples there uh, that exist. The, the Rams don't take the preseason seriously. What they do, they got run off the field uh, by the Bills last week. Um, the Packers don't take the preseason seriously. They've lost the first game of the season. I don't know how many years in a row. They, they just keep losing. Uh, the Cowboys are their own thing, right? Like we just, we don't know what to even think of the Cowboys when it comes to was it because they don't take the preseason seriously or is it just because they seem to be a, um, Snake bit is not a strong enough word to describe uh, the Dallas Cowboys to the struggles that they have. And now they're going to be without uh, Dak Prescott. But it's a really interesting question because here's the thing. Take any of those teams that I just mentioned, probably except for the Cowboys, take any of those teams that do not take the preseason seriously and go lose week one of the season. If they're able to lock in over the next couple weeks and they're – in, if they're where they want to be by, say, week three, week four of the season, that's fine. That's fine, especially now that the NFL has gone to the 17-week season. Like you've, you have one more game to go. You We sit here and we talk so often about how every game in the NFL is so valuable because there was only 16, now 17 of them, and that's true. I Obviously, one of 16, one of 17 is a bigger number than one of 162 or even one of 82. Like, I understand that. The, the value of every single football game, there's more to it. But you can recover from a bad first week. So I think a lot of these NFL coaches, especially these young, really smart head coaches, are sitting here saying, okay, we'll take the loss in week one. We, we would rather not risk injuries through the three weeks of the postseason, we would rather take things a little bit easier in training camp. And we know this team may not be fully ready to go for week one, and we may lose that game. And you just hope and pray that that doesn't come back to beat you later. But you sit there and you, you gamble. You gamble that the loss of week one is not going to be as big of a potential loss that you might have from injury or something else that goes wrong because you're pushing it a little bit too far in the regular season. But we've really hit a point right now in the National Football League where it is very clear the teams that care about the preseason and the teams that don't care about the preseason and how that plays out in the first week of the season, sometimes the first couple weeks of the season. And I just I don't know what I would do. I don't know. Honestly, and I hate saying this because I, I, I don't like the idea of ever disrespecting the game. That's something that I don't like seeing. But honestly, if I am a NFL head coach, I am probably not taking the preseason seriously. I am probably valuing health much more than I am valuing um, winning a game in week one. And if that cost me at the end of the season, um. That that's, that's the risk. That's the gamble I took. And even if in that season it bites you, I feel like it will come back to put you on the good side of things more often than not. So that's my takeaway from week one of the NFL season. Teams that didn't care about the preseason didn't win in week one, but it probably doesn't matter. All right, uh, we'll get back to the Cardinals. We will um, read some of the text messages and tweets that came in regarding Albert Pujols getting to 700. And how comfortable would you be with someone you didn't know walking into your garage? I'll share my story with you in just a moment. It's Sports Open Line on KMOX. News Radio, KMOX, the home of the Cardinals. Starting to wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line, I threw this out earlier because I am somebody that going into the weekend, I didn't think Pulhos was going to get to 700, and now I do. And I've been I've been flip flopping back and forth, uh, just kind of depending on where he is at and how many games he's at. And I didn't like the five home runs needed in 23 games. I do like the three home runs needed in 21 games. So when he hit the two over the weekend, uh, my my take on it changed. So I asked people, did you did your take change at all? Mary Lynn, and I've seen uh, many of her text messages. I can confirm what is being said here is truth. I have always believed Albert is going over 700, and I still believe it. Uh, Text message from the 314. Yes, Albert will make 700. Better yet, I think he will end up with 702 overall. So glad he's back in St. Louis. And then another text message. I think this was in response to something that uh, Joe Roderick said on the program. Said, I would love for it to happen, but come on, no way Albert gets to seven hundred four or seven hundred five. In in a weird way, I, I want him to get to seven hundred and just be done. that—that's the number I want him to finish on. To me, there's something about yeah, you know, being being Mister Seven Hundred, right? Like being the guy who finishes with exactly seven hundred home runs. So in my mind. Like, the storybook finish to the season is, ah, but I want him to do it in St. Louis. Oh, and I don't, I'd love, that's what I'd like to see him get those home runs um, in St. Louis against Pittsburgh and then not even have to play very much in those final games that are then in Pittsburgh. So get it in St. Louis against Pittsburgh because they wrap up with back-to-back series against Pittsburgh, one at home and uh, one in St. Louis. So that would be my storybook. He gets to 700 in St. Louis, and then that's it. Whether he plays or not that final weekend, I don't know. But just rest him. Just rest him, go in the postseason, and uh, let him go from there. All right, that's it for uh, Sports Open Line. I'll be back with you coming up tomorrow for Cardinals Baseball as they open up a two-game series against the Milwaukee Brewers. Talk to you tomorrow here on KMOX.
1: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one